Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. This is Matt Frazier, joined as always by my co-host Doug Hay. How you doing, Matt? Good to be here. I'm doing well, Doug. We've got an interview today. It's with a friend of both of ours. Actually, we met her uh, in New York City at the Veg Fest or the New York City Vegetarian Food Festival. I guess two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Christy Morgan. She wrote a cookbook a few years back called Blissful Bites. I always kind of liked it because it was different from others and that it was based on macrobiotic cooking which uh, I honestly don't know that much about, but I want to ask her about. Uh, I think it's sort of based on food combinations and sort of some like, maybe it's not even based on Eastern principles, but it was it was popular in the 70s, I think. And it's, I don't know, it's just like kind of a super healthy form of cooking. But then she made a really interesting transition from like healthy cookbook author into fitness bodybuilding girl, which is kind of cool. I mean, it, it was unexpected. Just, you know, she's very small and like, just not the type I would imagine to go into bodybuilding, but it seems like she's had a lot of success with it and, yeah. and is really enthusiastic about it. So uh, it'll be fun to catch up with her. And I don't know, any other sort of news here, dog, to get into before we before we do that? Well, you just got back from the DC Veg Fest, right? I did. I was at the DC Veg Fest uh, last Saturday, September 20th. Had a friend who I met at the Woodstock Fruit Festival named Martha. Uh, she helped me out there at the booth for a few hours. And uh, yeah, it was really successful. We we had a lot of people come by the booth, um, sold a lot of shirts, which is always good. And Micah was there. Micah Risk, who was our podcast guest a few episodes ago oh, yeah. from the Runner's World cover, wearing the vegan socks. Uh, we got a picture together with a big big person in a pig costume, which I don't, I still don't understand if that was like an ironic pig thing or, or if it was just a just celebrating pigs. <laughs> I, I don't really know. But it was a nice picture, and it was cool. It was cool that you know I've only known her now for. A month since seeing her on the Runners World cover, and then a week since we did our episode, or two weeks or whatever it was, and then we got a picture and uh, cool. gave her no meat athlete shirt, so it was cool. Yeah, and so speaking of Runners World, I guess the last announcement before we get to Christy is just a reminder that both of us, both Doug and I, will be at the Runners World Half and Festival up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, coming up in October. And uh, I have discount codes if you do want to come there. I'll be there definitely Saturday. I'm not sure about Sunday for the half marathon. I think I'm going to leave Saturday night. But Doug, you'll be there the whole weekend, right? That's right, yep. And we'll also be there a few days ahead of time, but I don't think they have any sort of public events or races in those those earlier days. That's sort of the uh, the VIP package that we get to go to. <laughs> well, I don't know what they have planned. But uh, anyway, if you do want to come there and join us and meet us and hang out and run some of those races, they have a 5K, 10K, and half. They have all combinations of that, I think. You can, get, you can, do, you can do any one of those races, or you can do all of them, which they're calling the hat trick. And you can also do... I think, you know, any two of them, but I don't know. I don't know if there are codes for all those. But anyway, if you want to do it, uh, I think it's a 15% discount. 10. 10. Okay. Sorry. Our legal department has informed me that it's just 10%. <laughs> uh, it's blog no meat athlete 5K, all one long word there, or blog no meat athlete 10K, or blog no meat athlete half, like H A L F. Uh, and if you go to the, I think it was the Micah podcast page, we put all the codes in there. So if you want to see all of them, just look up, just Google no meat athlete Micah risk. And uh, you'll find that page with all the codes on there. So anyway, that's good. That does it for our announcement section. And uh, let's let's go to the interview with Christy. Sounds great. Okay, we're here with Christy Morgan. 
known as the Blissful Chef and author of the cookbook Blissful Bites. Christy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We, we're looking forward to talking to you. And uh, the first thing that I want to talk about, I definitely want to get into to all the bodybuilding stuff because that, that is an interesting uh, sort of turn you took for me to go towards that. Um, it's it's a neat thing, and I, I really do appreciate that, that there are all these plant-based bodybuilders now. I think it really is an important thing for people to see that this diet doesn't just work for endurance sports where it pays to be, you know, sort of skinny and frail looking, but that it also works for some of the, the strength sports or the ones where you actually want to try to, you know, build muscle volume or definition or whatever. So uh, I do want to talk about that. But first, I want to talk about cooking, which is the what what kind of you were in, in like a previous life. And I think I think now you kind of are that, again, you never really stopped being that. But uh, I don't know. It just seems like that you've sort of, um, you're, you're, image has changed somewhat in, in my view. But when I when I first started seeing your stuff, it was about macrobiotic cooking. And uh, that's always kind of interested in me. And I've never really known that much about it. In the introduction, I kind of tried to explain what it was. And I think I failed miserably at doing that. So can you let us know what what the details are? Like what what makes macrobiotic cooking macrobiotic cooking? Well, it's kind of hard to sum up in in five or two minutes, but I'll try <laughs> to explain it. And I have changed a lot since I went to culinary school and my focus has changed. Um, So we can talk about that too. But macrobiotics is a philosophy of food and it's much more than that as well, but it's based in Chinese medicine. So it has a lot of um, philosophies that we're not used to here in general in the U S or in, you know, Western cultures. So it's um, known as the cancer-curing diet. So it was started in Japan uh, to help heal disease through a whole foods diet. But also it's about eating in balance, eating seasonally, eating local, um, eating organic, eating high, the highest quality foods you can possibly eat. Hence, that's what helps heal disease. But today, grocery stores are seasonless, so we don't focus on eating seasonal, except now it's become hip, you know, farm to table, farmer's markets, CSAs and things like that. Uh, But the more we can eat in a way that's more natural to our surrounding environment and eating local seasonal foods, the better it is for your health, but also of course the planet because food isn't traveling thousands of miles to get to you. So I think that we're sort of moving more towards a macrobiotic way of eating in general. And some people eat fish and some people don't. There's a lot of um, controversy on that, but fish today is just not safe to eat anyway, as far as health and, you know, mercury and all of that. So, um, so yeah, basically balance, organic, seasonal, local, So, but like, I mean, that, that, as you kind of said, we're moving towards that anyway, it seems that that's sort of a hip thing now is, is seasonal organic local, but I mean, plenty of people are doing that and, and not calling what they're doing macrobiotic. So is there anything in particular, like, is it about combining foods or a certain, you know, amount of starch to everything else? Like, you know, starch, you know, carbohydrate, protein type mix, or is it just sort of a general thing? I mean, I know, I know one thing that always I found interesting from your book was the the little sidebar about how you how under this type of uh, philosophy, at least you, you wouldn't eat onions or garlic or anything else in this family of foods that I'm blanking on the name of, but that I'm sure that you'll know. Um, 
That yeah. actually isn't that isn't an that isn't actually a macrobiotic thing. Okay. That is is more of a personal decision and it's it comes more from the yogic tradition. So that is something completely different than macrobiotics. Gotcha. Okay. So my book and my philosophy is sort of a melding of all these different food philosophies that I've experimented with. Like I'm into raw food, but not a hundred percent. Um, you know, I'm into different kinds of eating styles. So that's where that comes from. And basically the reason why that is seen in my book and something I personally follow is when I wrote the book, I was in a spiritual community in Los Angeles that really focused on obviously vegetarian, vegan eating, but also onions and garlic are known to stimulate our more animal nature side and be more disruptive to our digestive systems. So once I stopped eating it, I realized how much it affects me. So generally people with like IBS or Crohn's or any sort of digestive issues, when they give up garlic and onions and that, um, that family of foods, they notice a big difference. Yeah. The, I, those sort of ideas are always interesting to me. And I, I haven't really adopted any of them and like, you know, don't swear by any of these. And I still certainly eat plenty of onions and garlic now and then, but I was just fooling around. I, I shouldn't say fooling around. I was actually giving the 80, 10, 10 diet a try. I went to the Woodstock fruit festival in, in New York a few, I guess about a month ago now and, uh, and loved it and kind of brought the diet home was, was doing it pretty, not a hundred percent, but, but most of the day. And, um, one of the things that I learned that I don't even know if this is part of 80, 10, 10, but just a general eating principle that a lot of people there followed was that if, if you couldn't make a meal out of a certain food and like, if you wouldn't just take it out of the ground or off a tree or wherever and eat it, then, then it really shouldn't be eaten at all. That was their idea that it wouldn't have been eaten in nature. So onions and garlic are perfect example. Like, yes, they taste great when you add them to foods. I mean, for most people's palates, but to just eat an onion, like you eat an apple or to actually eat a whole bulb of garlic. I mean, you just, it would be almost impossible to do, uh, depending someone on which, which, uh, what, type of onion you picked for example but and and they're medicinal foods they they were used traditionally as medicinal foods we know that like garlic is known as like the cold killer or whatever and people think oh they're healthy and they help treat illness so i should eat them every day but it's like taking antibiotics every day when you don't need them so you're not actually getting the benefit of the medicinal properties if you're taking them every day so that's kind of the principle too behind it. Yeah, that makes sense. And a lot of a lot of herbs, I think, also fall into that category. And that's what people at this Woodstock Fruit Festival told me was that like you know certain herbs you would use for medicinal reasons, but to you would never make a meal out of them. And, and to eat any more than a, a tiny amount of some of these herbs would just be intolerable. I mean, you just couldn't do it. Right. So this is great. This is really really interesting stuff. You mentioned that things have um, transitioned. You, you, your philosophy has transitioned a bit since you started doing more bodybuilding. Uh, how so? Can you talk a little bit about that? So everything I do comes from this basis of macrobiotics and the training that I received in culinary school. Uh, I never went to a regular culinary school and I never grew up cooking. I never learned how to cook, which is why I'm so passionate about cooking and teaching others because it's sort of a lost art. But I went to a macrobiotic culinary school and so everything I do kind of comes from those principles that we talked about. But when I started training and bodybuilding and being an athlete, my philosophy changed in that 
I tra- I eat to train. So I also don't have a lot of time because I ha- the time I was using to create all these amazing, wonderful, creative dis- dishes, I'm now using for training. So my meals have gotten really simple. Uh, I used to be the person that couldn't eat this, didn't want to eat the same thing twice or three times. And now I'll literally eat the same thing maybe four days in a row because I batch cook my meals and then I know that I have healthy food available to, available to me that's going to fuel my training. So that's kind of how it's changed. But I do still try to eat local, seasonal, organic produce for sure. Great, great. Can you give us some examples of some of the meals that you use to eat to train? Uh, base, the basic <laughs> principles, and it's so boring and simple, but it works. And um, and it and it's working for me at least is I always have a carbohydrate, a green vegetable or a vegetable, and protein, a plant protein. So before, maybe my, my carbs were a little higher, and now I do make sure I get enough protein. So my, my plate used to be maybe half vegetables and then a starch, one-fourth starch, one-fourth protein, and now those have kind of switched to where they're almost – one third of the plate is each of those. So I always try to make sure and eat lots of vegetables. Um, I eat fruit every day and make smoothies every day. But um, as a bodybuilder and as somebody who wants to maintain a certain physique and my weight, I definitely eat more protein than most people. So we we tend to blow off protein once we go vegan or plant-based or, you know, maybe endurance athletes definitely don't need as much protein as bodybuilders, but it's definitely not something you want to just completely ignore. So. Okay. So let's, I just want to get everyone on the same page here. And I sort of want a clarification too. When we say bodybuilding, what, what exactly are you talking about as a sport? Like, like what is, what is training like? What's competition like? And and are you, I mean, when, when most people picture bodybuilder, the sad fact is that they picture some you know, crazy swollen beast looking thing that, that barely resembles a person anymore. Um, that's not what you look like. I mean, what, what, what is your goal as a bodybuilder? And like, are you in a different, I I imagine you're in the natural division, which is where there are no steroids, of course, but are you, are there different classes? Are you, are you, are some people going for sheer size and other people going for definition and different things like that? Can you just give us a bodybuilding 101 in like three minutes or something? Yes, definitely. Um, I'm a natural. I don't. I'm actually not a competitive bodybuilder, but bodybuilding and weightlifting is my main form of exercise, and that's what I do. So I consider myself a bodybuilder, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to go and compete. I may compete in the future. I may not. I'm still in the process of learning what I want to do with that, but. I use weightlifting as my main way of training. So that's why I call myself a bodybuilder. Okay, hold on. Let me stop you. I know I've seen pictures of you like with like all tanned up and stuff like people get before those competitions, right? I mean, or was that somebody else? I did do one competition. Okay. Cool. Um, as as a goal to see how in shape I could get. Ah, okay. Um, and I was going to do a second one and then I sprained my ankle. And once I did that, now I've taken some time to think about what I really want to do. And I don't know that I want to do competitions. Uh, Okay. But people that are bodybuilders who compete, there is a natural division, which I would be in and plant build is, and you know, not, not the juiced up steroid guys. Those are different divisions. (laughs) 
So there is a way to be a natural bodybuilder and be very successful on a vegan diet. And there's different levels of uh, different categories, depending on how much muscle you have and how much definition you have and et cetera, et cetera. So it's an interesting and bizarre sport. And I find it really fascinating. And even if I don't ever compete, I'm definitely going to continue to train like a bodybuilder. I see. So, so competition, and I, I've only know this from talking to Robert Cheek a little bit about it. Uh, and I, you know, he's before that I was like, oh, bodybuilding is not a sport. I mean, you know, you train and then you just go and put on the show. And how is that a sport? But I don't know. Somehow, when I started talking to him and read his book, I kind of just got it, and it just sort of made sense as a sport. But can you? Just explain. I mean, competition means you go and then, like, you're kind of doing certain poses, and everyone is is tanned and greased or whatever to kind of show off what they can. But I mean, the competing is is to show that you are. Uh, I mean, what are you doing? You're trying to to have like show have balanced muscles and all these different things in front of judges, right? Yeah, it's a physique competition, so it's it's purely on your physical uh, appearance, balance, muscle tone. Like every category has different poses that you do so it's definitely a physique competition and that's one reason why I'm leaning towards not doing them anymore because um I don't want to be judged on my physique I'd rather do something like CrossFit or some other kind of competition where I'm using my talent and my performance as a gauge for how how good I am so (laughs) yeah great so I think that recently over the past several years, you know, it's come, becoming more and more common for endurance athletes at a professional level and at a higher level to be plant-based athletes. Um, but the whole notion that that bodybuilders or strength people can can also be on this plant-based diet, I feel like is just now starting to come into the mainstream with plant built and, and we're just seeing more and more bodybuilders. Are, are you getting any flack from other bodybuilders and from the the bodybuilding community or you know are people doubting you guys because you are on a plant-based diet um i personally haven't noticed any of that um i was present at the last plant-built competition where they had crossfit and powerlifting and bodybuilding and i was amazed at what they could do all the powerlifters won medals um it was it was mind blowing, but yeah, it's definitely blowing up recently. And there's, there's vegans competing in all these sports all over the world all the time. So, uh, we're sort of at the tipping point of this becoming more well known. Like you said, endurance athletes have been doing this for a while, but it's a really great thing to see all these powerlifters and bodybuilders. And cause it's, it just shatters all of the myths about vegans. So it's really exciting times. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so like with with endurance sports, I think for a while it was it was accepted, and it was like, okay, so you can you can make this sort of diet work along with with your endurance lifestyle. And then people came along. Scott Jurek is the obvious one, but but many since him, uh, and and a few before him too, who kind of made it seem like you know they chose this diet because of what it did for performance. Like it wasn't just for some of them, it was an ethical thing for sure. But for some of them, like they did it because of of how it helped them to to perform. And I think we're seeing kind of the same thing with a lot of the MMA people. Uh, is it is it that in bodybuilding too, or is it like? I mean, it just it shows you how strong the this perception is kind of ingrained in us. But like when I think of a plant based bodybuilder, I think someone who's naturally at a disadvantage because they're going to have trouble getting enough calories, and especially if they're eating anything like a whole foods type of diet where you can't eat much processed stuff and very little oil, it just seems like so hard to to put on that kind of muscle. 
is it something that people are are not just kind of proving that you can make work for bodybuilding, but something that people are actually choosing and saying like, I, I'm doing this because I think this is the best way for me to perform here? Steroids and all that aside, of course, not even just within the natural realm. Uh, there's definitely there. I don't see any disadvantages. You may have to work a little harder. Uh, and also genetics plays a, a big factor when it comes to bodybuilding. But there are plenty of people winning trophies and competitions side by side with omnivores. So it can happen for sure. And it's just a really hard sport. It's really hard work. So you have to really be in it to win it. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that omnivores at bodybuilding shows are going to just completely change, um, to being vegan, but they're definitely more open to it. I used to do demos for plant fusion and I got omnivore bodybuilders to switch to plant protein, even though they may never switch their diet, they definitely felt comfortable and secure switching their protein from whey to plant-based. So yeah, I think I've heard similar things. Like I heard Brendan Brazier on the Ritual podcast saying how Brian Roberts, who was with the Baltimore Orioles and now with the Yankees, how he, you know, he kind of converted their dugout into just kind of convincing them to use plant-based protein, not not to change their entire diets. Like that's a really hard thing to make people do or convince people to do, but uh, but just you know, get convince people that this is a healthier protein source, uh, and and you know, even you could probably do the same without even making them go fully plant-based. You can find a healthier option. But the fact that plant-based is one of the healthy protein options, uh, it it seems like that's not too big of a leap for someone to take, even for professional athletes, it seems. I feel like we still have some ways to go, but <laughs> things are definitely changing. So speaking of, of protein powder, are you, are you eating? And I, I know you're not necessarily competing, but um, when you were thinking about it, or even now, trying to still be the best bodybuilder you can are you having to eat a lot of foods that you know that you wouldn't have eaten before that that you say like this is probably not the best thing for long-term health but i'm choosing to do it because it's the best thing for my sport and not not of course going out of the plant-based realm here but like you know having a lot of protein powder or extra oil or you know just getting more calories that are easier to get in a processed form than in a more probably long-term healthy whole foods for whole food form is that have you shifted in that way too or or are you still as much as possible trying to stick with the whole food macrobiotic stuff Uh, i definitely stick with mostly whole foods um i do eat some processed food and sometimes i eat um tofurkey or beyond meat or something like that on occasion it's definitely not something in my regular diet every day um, you can follow me on Instagram to see what I'm eating. I post a lot of my eating, of what I eat. And it's, you know, it's mainly yams, greens, and tofu or mm-hmm. um, quinoa, beans, and greens. It's like mostly whole food based. Uh, I do take a protein powder supplement after I lift, um, directly after in a smoothie or in a shake. And I use the highest quality proteins I can find. Um, no sugar like really good quality stuff. Um, so I have a little bit extra protein than most people probably do, but in no way has it hurt my health or my performance. Um, I'm healthier now than I've ever been, honestly. And I can't believe how much better my health got 
when I added the fitness component and when I started lifting, like my whole, like I was already really feeling awesome because I'd already been vegan like over 10 years. And then when I added that component, it just took my health to a whole nother place that I never even imagined possible. And everything in life is easier now. Just walking in my body is easier now with more muscle and more strength. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Great. Yeah. I want to, that's actually where I wanted to go next with this, uh, particularly with bodybuilding, because I think it's like I said before, like the shift that you made from from macrobiotic chef to someone who's interested in this in bodybuilding, it it just came as a surprise to me. It's just not you just don't see people going that direction a lot. I think more often you see people going the other direction. Um, but I have no doubt that you know of what you're saying that that when you do start getting into fitness, regardless of what kind it is, uh, aside from just healthy diet, it really does change a lot of things. But I'm interested in, in just for you personally, and then maybe for kind of a general, like, why would someone else, should should they sort of consider this? But what was it that made you want to make that change? Like, why why uh, why such a drastic change? I mean, it's not, not a drastic change. It's still a healthy, within the realm of health. But, but why that change? Why bodybuilding instead of just something that seems, you know, that you would just more imagine a, a, a woman cookbook chef going? I would, I would think of someone who would take up running. You know, it just seems like a very natural similar thing to do for some reason in my mind why this one i get what you're saying and i absolutely hate running so <laughs> i would never <laughs> be a runner ever. um basically when i turned 30 i was like i should probably do something because i never did sports growing up i never was athletic um and i was like i should do something so i signed up for a triathlon because i hated running and i knew I didn't want to do anything like a marathon, but I thought, oh, well, if there's swimming and biking involved too, that could be kind of fun. <laughs> so I did my first sprint triathlon at like 30 or 31. And I was like, okay, good. Marked that off my bucket list. I'm good. And then for a couple of years later, I was like, hmm, maybe I should start doing something else again. And I had the opportunity to there's a um, a gym here in Austin owned by a vegan, and so I was like, hmm, I should check that out. So I started working out at Beyond Fit and started doing powerlifting for the first time ever, and it was really awesome, and it was exciting, and like, it was awesome to like lift heavier and you know watch your progress over time, and and then I started dating a bodybuilder, so that was kind of the catalyst for specifically training in a bodybuilding way I got him to go vegan and he got me to do bodybuilding (laughs) (laughs) so that's and then and then I heard that the plant-built team was going to be in Austin competing and that's where I live and I was like oh I wonder if I could do that so I signed up to compete next to them and that was sort of the catalyst of that and I got very lean and not so much muscular because I'd only been lifting maybe three or three to five months before that. So after that show, that's when I realized I wanted more muscle and more strength and more power. And it started, you know, going from there. All right. So you mentioned muscle. Um, I think a lot of women, I hear this all the time, and I always was so insulted by it because I was like trying so hard to put on muscle and and struggled with it so much. Um, so it's like the biggest insult to any skinny guy when a woman says, "Oh, I don't want to start lifting because I don't want to add all that muscle." Like as if you just start lifting and then muscle just suddenly appears and it's really easy to add it. Um, what what do you say to a woman who who says, "Well, I can't, I don't really want to go to the gym, uh, and I especially don't want to get into powerlifting because you know what's it going to do to my physique and make me look like a man all of a sudden?" 
uh, I mean, you don't look like a man to me. You, you, it seems to have worked well for you. Um, what, and so what's, what's the response to that? So women really can't get bulky. It's really hard to build muscle, but it's so important for bone health. And it's sort of my mission to get women to lift and to shatter these myths that you're going to be bulky or huge or muscular in a, in a steroid kind of way, which is just not possible. So basically when you go in the gym and you lift and you build lean muscle mass, that lean muscle burns more calories for you than when you just do cardio alone. So when you go, when I go to the gym, I see all these women's on the cardio machines and not lifting, thinking that they're going to get the physique that they want and lose weight when it's far from the truth. You'd re- it'd be much better for you to lift and build lean muscle than to just waste away on the um, elliptical machine. So that's kind of my main goal right now. And why I started Definition Magazine was to show women, hey, it's okay to lift. It's okay to get stronger. And you will actually reach your goals faster and more efficiently if you lift weights as opposed to just do cardio. So, Cool. I'm glad you brought up Definition Magazine. So why don't you actually tell uh, the listeners a little bit about that and what you're doing with, with that magazine? So basically, when I first started lifting, I didn't feel like I was being supported. And it's so bizarre, right, for women to have muscle and to want to have muscle. And the typical media is, you know, women are skinny and thin like models. And, you know, that's perfectly fine, too. But um, I started a Facebook group to connect with other women that were into lifting or interested in lifting that were vegan as a way to sort of get this support that I was missing. And out of that came Definition Magazine. So one of the members was like, you know, you really should start a magazine. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and all the members of the, all the team from the magazine is, came from that group Um, We all work on a volunteer basis to bring this amazing content to women. It's a women's magazine, but so many men have emailed me and been like, oh, my God, I got so much out of this, and thank you for doing this. So it's for everyone, but it's targeted to females in general, just, you know, the whole um, go women thing. (laughs) Christy, have you heard the the joke about how do you make a million dollars? No. You take $2 million, and then you start a magazine. Uh-huh. I guess you you lose a lot of it. So, but I think that's that's kind of an old joke when when there were no iPads and and your magazine is entirely digital, right? It's entirely digital right now because that's all we can do, and um, it's free to download right now. Um, we have four issues this year, and they're all going to be free to download and to read. Um, starting next year, we will start a subscription, and that will allow us to take it to print someday because there is no print magazine on the market that's vegan and for women interested in fitness. So you see all of these fitness magazines for women on the shelves, but there's not one that's targeted to women who want to eat healthy and and cruelty-free. Oh, so cool. we hope someday we can make it a print magazine. Cool. Yeah, I hope so too. Where can people find out about that? Is it just on your on your website, which by the way is theblissfulchef.com? Is that the best place to find out that or is there a different place for it? Um, we have a separate website for the magazine, definitionforladies.com. Okay, cool. So last question, Chrissy, just to wrap it up, and it's kind of two questions, but just for the 
I think the typical Nomad Athlete podcast listener, actually, I don't know about podcast listener, but the typical Nomad Athlete reader is probably a woman who, you know, runs runs 10Ks or half marathons. To someone like that, who who is really never considered bodybuilding, and you you kind of gave a good reason, but like, what's what's the quick pitch for why like why should they care about something like powerlifting or bodybuilding? Assuming they're not going to quit running, but like, where's the where's the big appeal? What what is what has been so exciting about that for you? And then, really, how do they get started with it? Like like where like if a woman wanted to get into powerlifting, and I mean, same with a man. If a man wants to get into powerlifting, I wouldn't really know where to begin with that. Um, you can go to the gym and ask the biggest guy there what he does, but I mean that's that might lead you down some scary roads. Um, so what? Yeah, like what's the reason to get into this, and and where? What's the first step? So I don't think that powerlifting is definitely is something that, um, say, a runner would want to start doing, though they could. I would think in general, just like lifting and bodybuilding in general, it's so crucial for endurance athletes to be strong and to have muscle protect their joints and such. And most runners that I know that do finally start incorporating weight training into their programs become better runners. For me personally, like I said, I hate running. I didn't do any cardio for eight months while while I was bulking and trying to put on muscle. And as soon as I started running again, I literally ran the fastest mile I've ever run in my life after not running for eight months. All of the muscle and strength that I had uh, propelled me in my running. So it's crucial because doing so much endurance, especially running, it eats away at your lean muscle mass. So you want to do it anyway just to maintain that. Most women, at least for my clients, I have a lot of clients who do marathons and they're overweight. And once they start training in this way where they – incorporate lifting into their programs, they not only lose weight, they become faster, they have less injuries, um, they recover faster. So I don't know if there's any science behind that, but that's just what I have noticed with my clients. So, and, and like I said, it's crucial for bone health. And as we age as women, it's harder for us to build lean muscle mass. So you definitely want to start today. It doesn't matter what age you are, just go in there and do it. Um, it can be very scary. So especially for women. So what I suggest for most women is if you can get a personal trainer, um, go to your gym and sign up for at least maybe three sessions with a personal trainer who can walk you through, um, different exercises, show you how to use the machines. Machines aren't something you want to be on for the duration of your program, but you could definitely start on machines or incorporate machines into your program. But um, if the barbells and dumbbells are scary to you and the cable machines are scary, have a personal trainer show you. So even if it's just a couple of sessions. Um, Other than that, there's a lot of really great full workouts on bodybuilding.com. So you can just print it out. There's videos. It shows you how to do everything. It tells you basically what to do and you just go in the gym and do it. And if you're really nervous about being on the main floor with all the dudes, then you just get your equipment and take it into a side room um, when they're not teaching classes so that you can just do it in your own private, you know, in your little private space. And eventually, eventually you will be okay being on the main floor because it's pretty awesome. It's pretty badass to be like lifting weights with all these guys and they're all looking at you like, whoa, she's strong, you know, it's pretty cool. (laughs) That is pretty badass. 
Yeah, cool. I, I think I would need to start in the room for sure. I know. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, what if you're scared of the personal trainer? Scared of the weights, the machines, and the personal trainer? Well, I wouldn't <laughs> know where to start then. But I guess that's why I do things at home in my living room while I watch. Oh, yeah. You could totally work out at home. Like if you if you wanted to start with like P90X or something, like that would be a good way to, to break into it. Um, even though that's not specific, I mean, that would be great, I think, for anybody, but um, it depends on your goals. And if you're an endurance athlete, just don't be scared. And actually, uh, next issue of definition, uh, we're having, I'm having somebody on my team who is a marathon runner do an article on how to incorporate uh, weight training into your endurance program. So keep an eye out for that. It's November 19th. (laughs) There we go. All right. So go over, check out Christy's site. Um, or one more time, Christy, what is the, what's the name of the, uh, the Definition Magazine site? Definitionforladies.com. Okay. And we're on, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, as well as me, theblissfulchef.com. And feel free to check out my fitness programs. I do online programs with people all over the world. So if you want to get started, let's do it. And one more thing, I will be at the Portland Veg Fest Saturday and Sunday, and we are doing a new fitness stage with a fitness expo. So it's the first time they've ever done that, and it's their 10-year anniversary. And the Plant Built team will be there teaching classes. Um, I'll teach a class, and there'll be some other really cool stuff, Qigong, yoga. So definitely stop by the Portland Veg Fest. Okay, and that's, that's Saturday, September 27th, right? And Sunday, yep. Oh, Saturday and Sunday. Okay. Cool. Chrissy, thank you for your time. This has been fun. Um, It's always good to see you and connect with you, and I look forward to uh, seeing whatever you do next. All right. Thank you so much for having me. All right. See you later. Bye.